Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. How are you guys doing today? My name is Corey. I'm the director of worship. So good to see you. Have you been enjoying our spiritual revival message series so far? So today we are starting a new message series that is a spinoff of our last message series, Spiritual Revival, Praise and Worship Edition. And I know we've got some worshipers in the room. Who in here loves to worship God? I, uh, I was encountering Jesus there at the end of worship, and my eyes were closed, and I looked up, and there were tons of people up here. Encountering Jesus along with me, and that made me happy, amen? Amen. You know, the Word of God is powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And there's something that happens when we sit under the preached Word every single week. The Word of God, there is, there is life and is truth. And when all, all it's looking for is, is, is that seed is looking for good ground to be deposited, to be, to be planted and grow roots and become a tree that you can lean on. And what happens is when we receive the word with gladness, when we receive the word with humility, there is grace on the seed and it comes and it brings life. It brings life to our soul. It brings life to our spirit, man. So as we sit under the preached word, um, that's my prayer this morning is that it would just be a seed that springs forth and brings life to you today. Amen. Amen. God wants us to build our life on the word. Yeah, you can give it up. God wants to build, us to build our life on the word. And if you have your Bible with you, I'd like you to open up to Psalm chapter 100. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's only five verses, so don't panic. Psalm chapter 100 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Can you say amen to the reading of the word this morning? Let me just pray for our time together. Father, I thank you for each and every person who is here this morning. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, in this house, what you're doing in this season, and what you have planned. I thank you that your plans are good, and I pray that today, Father, you would awaken something on the inside of us, that, that, that worshiper, that it's not just something we do, but it's identity, who we are, Father. And you would release it over the people of this house, and you would birth something fresh through this series starting today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. I also want to thank Pastor for... Uh, let me kick off the message series this morning. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity. So here we are in, uh, in Psalm chapter 100, and I want you to look at verse 3. <laughs> verse 3 says, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. You know, that you, you, you can read the psalm and skip over stuff. You can read it and kind of just skim through it, right? But if you're a worshiper, you read the Psalms and you encounter Jesus because there's a spirit of worship on it. And, and there's, there's so much here in these five little verses. And I, I look at verse 3 and I say, wow, I'm literally here because you decided it was a good idea. The only reason I have breath in my lungs, the only reason I'm standing here and you're sitting there is because God, the creator of the universe, thought it would be a good idea to make a people. God has always wanted a people for his own possession. And, and, and the Bible says that creation literally speaks and testifies of the fact that God is real and alive. Amen. And it's this truth. It's this truth. It's this revelation. Me, us recognizing I am not here on my own accord. I, I did not. I am not my own creator. It's this truth that differentiates us from the rest of the world. Because we gather in recognition that I have been created by a wonderful loving father. See, God has always wanted a people for his own possession. Yeah. Yep. Amen? Yep. And he's been very, very clear in his word. He's very clear on how he wants his people to interact with him in worship. Yeah. 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 He's, he gives us very clear instructions, and he has very clear expectations for how he wants his people to interact with him in worship. You see, God has given the church a lot of things that he wants us to do on the earth. He said, raise the dead. 
cleanse the leper, cast out devils, right? He said, he said, he said to take care of the orphan and the widow. He said, what you do to the least of these you have done unto me and I receive it as such. He said, take this gospel and preach it to all the earth, to every nation and all creation. He has given us a lot of good stuff to do. Amen. But worship is the only thing that we do as a people that we do as the bride of Christ that we will still do on the other side of eternity. It is the only thing that we do as the bride of Christ that is completely for him. It is completely for him. In Exodus 19, the Lord says to Moses, he says, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, the Lord is looking for a kingdom of priests, first and foremost, to minister to him. And in the very next chapter in Exodus, starting in chapter 20, he gives Moses the Ten Commandments. He gives Moses the the Ten Commandments in the first three commandments, starting in verse 3. I want us to look at here because they have to do with worship. Starting in verse 3, he says to Moses, you shall have no other gods before me. That's one. You shall not make for yourself an idol. That's the start of verse 4. And then in verse 5, it says, you shall not worship them or serve them. You shall not worship them or serve them. The first three commandments that God gives, he's setting up right now. He's setting up his, in, in, the, how he wants his people to interact with him. He's giving Moses. They're in the desert. They're coming out of Egypt. And he says, there is a way I want to have a relationship with my people. And he's giving them a structure and a framework for it. And the first th- three things he ad- addresses is worship. It's worship. It's, it's where your heart is at. Because he's always been looking for our hearts, amen? The problem is, is that in, in the old covenant, the best he could do was the law. The best he could do was the law. So he, he gave them a guideline and a framework for how to interact with him, right? And then he said, when you, this, this interaction, it's going to be in a specific place. The place where it's going to be is in the tabernacle, or later on it was in the temple. And this was going to be a place that did four things. It we get that next slide? It would be a place where sins could be forgiven, his presence could abide, he would be worshipped, and his people would encounter him. So here here they are, and God's giving them a a framework on how he wants his people to interact with them. And he says, this is where the interaction is going to happen. And this is the purpose of this place. Sins are going to be forgiven. My presence will abide. My people will will encounter me. Most important, God will be worshipped in this place. But you see, something happened. And his name was Jesus. See, Jesus came along, and in Matthew 23, we see them ask him a a very important question. Sorry, Matthew 22. And they asked him, they said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. See, he's always been after our heart. He's always been after our heart. And what happened is when Jesus came, the Bible tells us that he said, hey, the temple, the place where God's presence will abide, the place where the forgiveness of sins happens, the place where worship takes place, I'm getting rid of that. He said, I'm getting rid of the temple and I'm making you the temple. He said, I'm making you the blood-bought believers of Jesus the temple. And you will be the place where God's presence abides. You will be the place where sins are forgiven. You will be the place where worship happens. And at conversion, the Bible tells us that we were given the DNA of Jesus Christ. That there's a, he has given us literally the identity of a worshiper. Not just, it's not just something we do, but it's part of who we are. You see, in the old covenant... They worshiped because of God's commandment. In the new covenant, we worship because of God's redemption. In the old covenant, they worshiped because of the law. In the new covenant, we worship because of his love. In the old covenant, they worshiped in the temple. In the new covenant, we come together and worship as the temple. And when we come together as the temple of Jesus Christ, there's an expectation God has for us in worship. What is worship? Why do we do it? What is God expecting from us in worship? And what can I expect God to do in worship? These are questions that we should be able to answer. And when we gather as the church on Sunday morning, come on, when we gather as the church on Sunday morning, we gather not under the old covenant, but under the new covenant as the redeemed ones responding to our redeemer. Our gathering is a response to what he's done. Because I'm going to say amen. Amen. 
literally us coming together is a response to what God has done in our lives and for us. You see, a lot has changed in this new covenant, and it's a better covenant. Amen? Amen? But one thing that hasn't changed is that God still expects us to bring something to him in worship. In the old covenant, they brought animals, and they sacrificed them. But in the new covenant, he wants us to bring something to worship him. Amen? If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Come to church ready to worship. Come to church ready to worship. You see, God always gives us a reason to worship. And worship always starts and ends with him. We look in Psalm, our original uh, verse here, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Let me, let me put that into our church terms. You ready? You ready for this? Enter the parking lot with thanksgiving. Enter the lobby with praise. We're to show up to church ready to worship Jesus. See, we saw in Exodus that God said to Moses, I want a kingdom of priests. What was the purpose of the priests? To minister to the Lord. What happens when we gather on Sunday morning? We come together as a kingdom of priests who are called to do what? Minister to the Lord. And if I'm coming to minister to the Lord, I'm coming with a purpose, right? I should fulfill that purpose. I should have something to give to the one I am ministering to. Amen? You see, worship is, is, our Sunday morning worship is my favorite time of the week. It really is. And, and, and it's not just because I get to stand up here and, and lead worship. And I, I enjoy that. But it's my favorite time of the week because it is a, it is a holy time. Yes. It is, it is a, a, there is nothing. There, there quite possibly might not be a single more important thing happening in our week as believers than coming together with the saints and worshiping the Father. Amen. This is possibly, I would say it is, but I, I don't want to make it an absolute, but it is possibly the most important time in our week, coming together and worshiping the Lord as a congregation, as the, the, the blood-bought saints of Jesus. Amen? And, and, and this funny thing is what we do when things are important in our life. You know, we, we show up on time to the things that matter. We prioritize the important. And, and I would like to encourage you this morning, church. Um, worship starts at 9 and 11 every Sunday morning. And it doesn't last very long. It only lasts for about 30, 35 minutes. And this is holy time that we're, we're meant to set apart to the Lord. It is sanctified. Yeah. Yeah. It is set apart. And we need to all, treat it as such. Yeah. Yeah. We show up on time to the things that are important to us. Yeah. We show up on time to work. Yeah. The thing is, is that the thing is, is that he's looking for our heart response. Yeah. He's, it's all about our heart's posture. Yeah. It's all about what's in us. It's, he's, he's looking for a heart. See, he had the rules. The rules didn't work. And we could make rules. If you don't get here at nine, you don't come in. No, that's, we're not, that's not what we're doing. Guess what? People have bad days sometimes. Guess what? Some Sundays you're going to be running late. I know what it's like to have kids. I have two of them. And sometimes it's hard to get places on time. And you know what? If you're having a hard week, if you're running late, this is where you want to be. This is where you want to be. If you're having a hard time getting out of the house on time, look, devil, the devil, you, you married couples know, the devil does not want you showing up to church, one, happy, two, on time. Right? He does not want you showing up to church happy or on time. And guess what? If you're having a hard morning, come. This is where you want to be. But I believe that is the exception, not the rule. Amen? That should be the exception, not the rule. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in it right now. I'm in the struggle. I got toddlers. It, they are not nice people. I love my kids, but they are selfish humans. That's why God makes them cute, right? Because you want to, oh boy. So, um, but look, but our lives in reality just are not that crazy. Like, we can get to places on time that matter to us. And if you have to leave a little bit early, leave a little bit earlier. Plan for it because you know what? This time matters. This time is important. Amen? Amen. I want you to write this down this morning. Thankfulness and gratitude are the foundations of worship. Thankfulness and gratitude are the foundations of worship. 
See, the Bible tells us to enter, what? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. That means there's something we should have done before we show up here on Sunday morning. And I want to encourage you this morning, church, we need to be a people that know how to cultivate thankfulness in our life. We need to be a people who know how to cultivate thankfulness in our life. You see, you show me a complainer and I'll show you someone who hasn't learned to worship. You show me a complainer and I'll show you someone that hasn't learned to worship because worship sets things into right alignment in our life. Worship sets things into proper perspective in our life. And it starts with thankfulness. It starts with thankfulness. And the funny thing about thankfulness is it's, it's like a muscle. It's like a muscle. It really is. And, 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 and muscles are weird in the sense that if you don't use them, um, um, they, they hurt when you do. This past week, um, I went diving. It was uh, lobster mini season, Florida's favorite holiday. And for those of you who don't know what that means, um, it's a two-day, the last Wednesday and Thursday in July, it's a two-day uh, season that they open up to recre- recreational anglers in the state of Florida to go and harvest uh, lobster that we have here before the commercial season opens. And we went out early in the morning, and I was in the water all day, and I was swimming around. How many of you guys know that you know, I'm not diving every day? I have a family and a business and a ministry, and I'm not diving every day. And when I got out of the water, I hurt a little bit. I was a little bit sore. Even Travis, who's very fit, texted me the next day saying, my body hurts. So, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, me too, bro. Um, I was using muscles I don't use all the time. And see, um, thankfulness is a muscle that we have to exercise. And and what happens is when we don't use it... uh, it gets a little uncomfortable when you do. And, and if you show up to church and, and maybe sometimes you're having a hard time entering into worship, I would, I would say that maybe it's because you haven't exercised that muscle of thankfulness before you got here. See, sometimes we can feel uncomfortable in worship because we're using muscles that we don't normally use. And we have to be able to cultivate thankfulness in our daily life so that when we show up at church on Sunday morning, we actually have something to give God. Amen. You see, as the kingdom of priests he's called us to be, we can't show up to church and then wait for a reason to worship. We can't show up to church and wait for a reason to worship. That is not, one, what God's expecting. Two, it's not our best. One, it's not what God's expecting. Two, it's not our best. We need to, to show up already having something to worship for. Because the truth is, we have a ton of things to worship for. There are no, no sh- there's not a shortage of God's goodness in any one of our lives. All we need to do is look for it. You see, here's the trap. The trap is, we show up to church. Maybe a, you, you, you're, just, you're just getting here. You, you, you get your kids out of the car, you bring them back to Revival Kids, and you find your seat, and you put your stuff down, you take a sip of your, your water, and you take a breath, you look up on the screen, and it's the end of the second song, start of the third for some of you, and, and we're, we're up there playing. We're up there playing, and uh, I love you guys. And uh, uh, we're singing, Waymaker, you know, Miracle Worker, and you're, and you're kind of like, all right, and you're, you're there, and you're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship. And you start to hum a little bit, way, way maker, way maker. And there's just nothing happening, right? There's no connection being made. And it's so, it's so easy to fall in this trap, and I believe it's the trap of the enemy, that we, we, we show up to church and wait for something to move us before we worship. We show up to church and we wait for something to move us before we worship. Do you know what the problem with that is? If we wait until we feel something to worship, then what we're worshiping are our feelings, not our God. Come on, our worship is meant to go beyond our feelings. It's meant to be an anchor in the good days and the bad days. 
Come on, it's meant to be an anchor, on the, anchor in the fruitful seasons and the hard ones because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's my belief that so should our worship. So should our worship be as well, amen? If what I just described was you, you're that person who shows up and you're like, and, and maybe the last two minutes of the last song, you felt like you actually could enter into worship. Just, I get it, the struggle is real. This is, this is my encouragement to you this morning. Don't wait for something to move you. Move yourself. Don't wait for something to move you. Move yourself. See, what happens is when we learn to cultivate thankfulness in our lives, it's a very easy thing to do. When we learn to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness in our lives, when we understand what it means to meditate on the testimony of Jesus, when we understand what it means to focus on the goodness of God, because only you can choose what you focus on and what you focus on grows. And what happens is if you're complaining all week and you're focusing on the lack all week and you're not looking at the goodness of God in your life all week, you show up here and you have to pull past all that stuff that you've been focusing on all week just to have a moment with Jesus. Just to have a moment with Jesus. Show up in the parking lot with thanksgiving. Enter the lobby with praise. This is the goal. We want to show up with something to give Jesus. Amen? Don't wait till something moves you. Move yourself. You see, excuse me. You see, um, I I, I want to teach you something about um, how... We believe, as a spiritual church, the worship team and the people are to interact. Yeah. Amen. You see, the, the worship team, we, um, we work hard to make worship sound good. We also work hard to make worship anointed. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we, we really want worship to be as good as it possibly can. Yeah. So the max threshold of our skill and intellect, we try to reach, attain that every single week based off of what we're able to do, right? Yeah. And so um, we get together on Thursday nights and we practice the songs. We pray um, as we put together our set list and try to hear what God wants us to sing that week. Sometimes Holy Spirit highlights a song. Sometimes there's just something that God is breathing on. And we can tell corporately we are encountering Jesus with this song. We're going to continue to do it. And we do those things. And we really want um, this to be a place where it's easy to worship. Amen? Amen. But um, there, See, what I'm doing right now, I am preaching the word that God has given me, and you are sitting under and receiving it. I am mediating what God has given me, and I am releasing it to you, and you are receiving. See, on Sunday mornings, what the worship team is doing is completely different than what I am doing now. Put up that next slide. See, the worship team, we are facilitators, not mediators. When you show up here on Sunday morning, you are not just receiving from the worship team's ministry. You are a part of the worship team ministering to God. And if you come in here and expect the worship team to mediate and receive from their, their ministry, we're missing the point as a kingdom of priests. Amen. The point is to minister to the Holy One because we gather together as what? We don't gather together in the temple. We gather together as the temple, bringing ministry to the Lord. This is what we're called to do. So when we show up on Sunday morning, the team has picked songs to sing. And we sing it together to him. But he's leading. We are all ministering to him. And at some point, he begins to minister to us. Which I'll get to in a second. Facilitators, not mediators. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am the worship team. If we gather with that perspective, our worship, our corporate worship has a different impact. It has a different impact on our city, on our church, on our children, and on the Lord. Amen? See, worship is a posture. Worship is a heart posture. Worship is not a tactic. We don't worship to get the miracle. We worship the God of miracles. Worship is the quickest, most efficient way to get into the presence of God and encounter Jesus. But it's not for us. It's for him. 
And if we make it about him, we pervert something holy, and that's called manipulation. We don't want to worship for the miracle. We want to worship the God of miracles. I've been there before. Um, someone I knew was sick, and I be- began, I, I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to worship, and God's going to do a miracle. And I began to worship, and it felt funky. Yeah. Yeah. It felt funky. Yeah. Something wasn't right. I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, you're, you're, you're only worshiping to get what you want. I said, but Lord, isn't your, your will to, to heal him? I said, he said, absolutely. So you, now you know my nature. Worship me for it. We can't worship just what he does, but has to be the heart of it, has to be who he is. That's what he's looking for. That's what God is looking for. See, the problem is when we make worship about us, no one's making it about him. And like I mentioned earlier, worship is the only thing we are going to do on the other side of eternity. And it's also the only thing we do that's completely for him. If you're taking notes today, I want you to to write this down. God is expecting me to show up with something to give him. God's expecting me to show up with something to give him. In the old covenant, it was a sacrifice of animals. In the new covenant, it's your heart. Jesus said that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. In the Old Covenant, it was animals. In the New Covenant, it is your heart. Amen? Yeah. See, Come on. worship sets things into right alignment in our life. Yeah. Earlier this year, um, I bought a new car. And I t- toast drove it on the highway, and at certain speeds, it started to shake. Um, and it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad shaking, but it, sh- it shook a little bit. And I brought it back to the dealership. And I said, hey, Mr. Car Salesman guy, um, the car is shaking. And he's like, oh, that's just what they do at those speeds. It's, you know, it, 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 it'll, it'll, it's, it's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Drove the car home. A few weeks went by, started to get a little worse. A few more weeks went by, started to get a little worse. A couple months went by, and I'm on the highway like this. <laughs> So I, it needed some new tires, and I'm like, but there's no way. There's no way that, you know, it just needs new tires. Like, there's something else going on here. This is not how this car is supposed to drive. So I brought it in last week, and I put some new tires on it. I told him, you know, do an alignment and bound. Do whatever you got to do. It's, I said, it's shaking, and I don't know what's happening. It's also turning too hard to the right. And, and they said, okay. And I, I, they did that. I picked up later that day, and I, first thing I do is I get on the highway, and I, I you know, I just, yeah, I was, I'm like, all right, let's see what they did here. And, and it's just buttery smooth. I'm like, oh, so that's not how the car is supposed to drive after all. What do you know? A car salesman who lied to me. <laughs> Whoa. So, <laughs> so what, what, what had happened was, and I didn't, I didn't realize this, that the, the tires were getting so bad, they kept throwing the car out of alignment worse and worse and worse and worse. The tires were just completely shot. And... Um, you see, our, our, our worship is like those tires. When we don't tend to that thing, life can get a little shaky and we start to wonder why. But the worship is the thing that we drive our life on. It's the thing that we drive our life on. And then when we don't cultivate thankfulness in our life, when we don't cultivate and posture our hearts with the, with the heart of worship, things can get a little shaky and we start to wonder why. And it can throw things out of alignment. But how many of you know that worship puts things in right alignment Amen. with God? Worship puts things into right perspective. Amen? Worship, come on, when, when you're going through the hard season, how many of you guys know that it is, it, unless you worship and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and reset your perspective, all you feel like is that your life is over. That, that, that this is, that season's never going to end. That things are never going to get better. That my finances are never going to change. My marriage is never going to get better. The spouse I'm praying for is never going to come. My kid's behavior is never going to change. The business is never going to grow. I'm never going to get out from under this credit card debt. But then you start to worship Jesus and you watch as your perspective begins to shift. See, worship sets things into right alignment in our life. But it has to be all about him. See, when we make it about us, when we make our worship about us, it creates a life that's upside down.
when we make it about what we get out of it, then we're worshiping for ourselves, not him. Number one, we want to show up to church ready to worship. Number two, if you're taking notes today, we're going to worship. Number two is we're actually going to worship Jesus. In uh, John chapter 4, verse 23, um, Jesus is talking about worship with the woman at the well. Many of you know the scripture. and says, but an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Oh, okay. So take that down. So, sorry, I thought there was more after that. So... Jesus says the Father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, right? We should know what it means to worship in spirit and truth. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what does it mean to worship God in spirit? How do I know if I'm worshiping in spirit? Is there a spirit worship class that I can take to learn how to worship in spirit? What is worshiping in truth? What does that look like? Is there something I'm supposed to say to do that? Because then I'll say it, right? Have you ever wondered? Because I ask myself these questions. What the heck does that mean? Well, I believe in Colossians 3.16, it tells us what that means. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, this scripture right here starts with the word of Christ. How many of you know the word of Christ is truth? The word of God is truth. It's absolute truth. And then it goes on to say, with all wisdom and teaching. And then what happens at the end of the verse? Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, the natural response to truth in our life is worshiping in spirit. It is the natural response when we receive truth from God to react with worship. The Bible says that we've been given the DNA of Jesus Christ. That he has deposited a worshiper on the inside of us. How many of you have ever heard the voice of God speak something to you? whether it's reading the Bible or in prayer, and he, and he speaks, and let's say he speaks identity. Or let's say he, 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 he speaks truth that unlocks a key in your life. What, what is the response? Thank you, Jesus. What is the response? It's thank you, Jesus. It's a real, genuine, heartfelt cry from a son or daughter to their heavenly father. See, the real response to truth is always spirit-filled worship. It's not something we have to learn to do. It's something we have to allow ourselves to do because it is actually already in you. It's actually already in you. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's in you. It is actually already in you. And that genuine heart cry to the Father, when we receive truth, when we receive revelation, when he speaks identity over us, Come on, when he releases that word and the truth comes and it pierces the heart, right? We respond with worship. We respond with worship. It's the natural response of the believer. That is worshiping in spirit. So, when we gather on Sunday mornings, um, I believe the first and most important thing really is our heart, the heart that we come into worship with, right? And that's what we were just talking about. Like, we need to come ready to give God's worship. We need to come ready to give him something. Um, But then once we get there, once we get to that place where, like, our hearts are ready, right? We, we, we We are in the posture of worship. We've come with something to give. You pulled up in that parking lot singing, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, I'm ready, right? Um, we show up, and now we're ready to worship. Worship actually looks like something. Yeah. Yeah. Worship actually looks like something. You know, um, as a worship leader, and this never happens here, never happens here, but I've been leading places, and sometimes you'll see people standing there like this <laughs> with their mouths closed. And um, um, <laughs> I have to... <laughs> you have to focus on the people who aren't doing that. <laughs> but I'll see that, and I'll, and I'll you know, I'll just... So, all right, what, you know, no judgment, right? Be, come to ch- I'm happier at church. Um, but I've been places where, where people do that, right? And so, um, you know, I've, I, 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 sometimes I wonder, like, what is, what's happening? Um, you know, and so I said, as, you know, I was having this conversation with my wife, and she's like, well, they, you know, maybe they're encountering God. I'm like, maybe they are, but, and that's good. I'm like, but they're not worshiping. 
She's like, well, how do you know that? I said, well, worship looks like something. That's right. Go ahead. Come on. Worship actually looks like something. Like, you actually have to do something to be worshiping. Like, you can't just show up thinking that you being present is God's gift to the church. He said, he's put what a worshiper on the inside of you yeah. now actually walking in that identity is a whole nother thing you just show up and stand here on the front row and just stare at the people leading worship is actually not worshiping so you know, like i said I've, it's never happened here but i've been places you know i've been places where that's happened so i want to talk about ways to worship god what should our worship look like once we get our heart right once we show up in the parking lot we're like yeah i'm going in today okay what does that look like when you get here well first and foremost the first thing that we do as we worship god is we sing singing ways to worship god number one is singing ephesians 5 19 says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the lord Psalm 96.1 says, sing a new song to the Lord. So there's two different types of singing we do. We sing songs that we rehearse, and we sing spontaneous songs that are completely unrehearsed, that are completely from a place of passion and encounter and joy experience with the Lord. And when we pick our set on Sunday mornings, we um, do songs that other people have written. We do songs that we have written. We want to do songs that we feel like are going to minister to the Lord and the church is going to be able to sing. Um, yeah. But what, at Revival Life Church, um, we make room for the glory of God. Amen. And what that means to us here is that we will have moments of awkwardness. That's right. We will allow the church, church service to be awkward sometimes so that we give him room to be God. And sometimes that looks like, so, so, sometimes that looks like, <laughs> sometimes that looks like um, the band playing and nobody singing. I don't know if you remember, I believe it was last week or the week before, we had one of those moments where the band was playing and no one was singing and Lillian was getting a prophetic song. And then she began to sing the prophetic song. Yeah. And then the glory of God came. Come on. Was that 30 seconds of awkwardness worth it? Heck yes, it was. Um, as, as a spirit-filled church, we believe that we come together as the worship team to minister to the Lord, and we purposefully give those moments so that we can sing spontaneously to God. Amen? Number two, the second thing that we do, we lift our hands. Ways to worship God. Lift your hands. Psalm 63 verse 4 says, So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. It's a reflection of a heart posture. Yeah. I'm giving you glory. Yeah. I'm giving you what? Surrender. I'm giving you what? My heart. Yeah. It's, a, it's a reflection of the posture of our hearts. You know, it's funny. I grew up going, uh, I got saved um, first when I was 11. Then again, when I was 19 coming here, but when I was 11, um, I got saved in the church and I remember, I remember um, there was one, there was one guy in the church that would raise his hands, the only one. And he sat on the front row. He was a very wealthy old man who didn't care what anybody thought of him. And I would be a little boy sitting in the balcony, looking at this guy, worshiping, giving his whole heart to Jesus. You remember who I'm talking about? Worshiping, giving his whole heart to Jesus. Sorry, my, I was asking my parents if they remembered him. They do, they do. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if he's, he's with us any longer. But um, I remember thinking, man, one day I'm going to do that. And if that's not your culture, if maybe you come from a, a, a family or a background that's not expressive, that's not passionate, that doesn't say, I love you, some of these things might be awkward. But I would like to encourage you, you need to move out of your old culture and into the kingdom's culture. Because the reality is when you're in the kingdom's culture, raising your hands just ain't that weird. In fact, I would say that's like, you know, the ABC course for worship here. Like that's like the starter program. So <laughs> number three, we dance. Third thing, we dance. We yeah. see in 2 Samuel 6, 14, David danced with all his might before the Lord. David danced with all his might before the Lord. And he looked a little ridiculous too when you read the whole pasture, that pa pastor, 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 passage. We read the whole passage. You see, worshipers, 
They've tapped into something. I want to tell you what it is. They move past their own ability and into God's presence. You don't have to be a superstar singer to worship God. You don't even know how to keep a beat and move your feet the right way to dance before the Lord. What you have to do is get over how you look a little bit. Get over how you sound a little bit. If your excuse for not worshiping is, I'm just not a good singer, then I would like to encourage you to come to the front and worship because it's louder up here and nobody's going to hear you. And if they do, so what? You have a choice to make. Is it about you or about him? Who are you worshiping? Number four, we play music. We play music to the Lord. Um, this is something that the worship team does. The worship team. But we do play music. If you play guitar or trombone, um, don't bring it to the back row and start playing. Instead, what you can do is fill out an application, give it to me. We'll set up an audition and have an interview and talk about how you can get on the worship team. But we do play music to the Lord. And it is something that we do. And look, at you you may know two chords. You may know one chord on guitar. But I'll tell you what, you play that chord at home to Jesus and watch how he receives your worship. Watch how you begin to minister to the heart of God. You see, when I, when I first got saved... Um, I played through several bands in high school, different genres, different bands, and just reggae and blues and different things like that. And and uh, I was I, I I wasn't I was always the worst one on the on, on the on the the band. There was these all these musical uh, prodigies and they're going off to different schools and stuff like that. And and I was just like the guy who you know could play some chords and sing a little bit. And they let me hang out with them, which was cool. But I remember when I first got saved, I would just I would just sit there, and I would just play G and C. I would just play G and C and I'd be worshiping Jesus at midnight in my apartment and just lifting the name of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, the presence of Jesus met me there. He didn't need my skill. He just wanted my heart. So we play music to the Lord. Psalm 150 says, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. The Bible's very clear on how we're to approach God and what we're to do in worship. He has an expectation for us in worship, and he wants us to play music. It's not something that we just do because other churches do it. It's not because, it, it, you know, well, they play you know, Christian radio on 88.1, and we should have some music too so that people can know. Like, this is actually something that God wants us to do as we get into his presence. The next one, we bow down in worship. Psalm 95, 6 says, Come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Again, it's a reflection of a heart posture. What's happening in us? I'm giving him my surrender. I'm giving him honor. I'm lifting him up as I go down. It's a reflection of what's happening in us. But these are the things that God is expecting when we gather in his presence. And the last one, but definitely not the least, it's a Hebrew word, halal. Is how it's pronounced. And it means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. You see, this word appears 110 times in the Old Testament to describe or direct us in worship. 110 times in the Old Testament, God tells us when we worship to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave. Yeah. To give our entire body, spirit, mind, our heart, everything we have to give to him in worship. This is what God is expecting. This is what God is expecting. And if, you know what, if you're not sure what you look like during worship, ask your neighbor. Do I look like I'm worshiping? And they'll need to be honest. Well, you could do better. You see, in 2 Samuel 6, 14, where it says, David danced before the Lord. David understood something that is so applicable to us right now. It's so important for us today. It says, and David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. You see, in in this passage, there's there's two um, people I want to point out to you other than David. One was um, a, a woman named Michal, and she was the daughter of Saul, and she did not like David. 
And as David danced with all his might through the streets before the Lord, Michal was watching from, her, from, her, 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 from a balcony, it says, or from up high. And she began to judge him. And she went down when he had finished and said, you have made a fool of yourself. And then she said, you have made a disgrace of yourself. And David looked at her and said, maybe to you, I made a fool of myself. But to those other women who were watching me on the streets, to them, I was distinguished. See, there's always going to be two groups of people watching you worship. Those who will judge you and those who will honor you. You get to choose who you worship for. You get to choose which crowd of people you're going to surround yourself with. I want friends that are going to encourage my crazy worship, not discourage it. You see, David understood something. He understood that when he worshiped, the Lord was there receiving it. And I want to encourage you today that when we worship, we're going to go back into worship here in a few minutes. And when we worship, worship like the Lord is in front of you. Why? Because he's actually in front of you. He's enthroned upon the praises of his people. And where two or three are gathered in his name, he says, there I am right in the middle of it. Amen? Amen. Number three, if you're taking notes, get filled. (sighs) Get filled. You see, our worship is similar to a marriage. In a good marriage, there's a husband and a wife. And in my marriage, if I prioritize my wife... If my priority is ministering to her, loving her, making, the her, making sure her needs are met, and she does the same and likewise reciprocates, and she makes sure that I feel loved, encouraged, and appreciated, then what happens is that both of our needs are met, and we have a healthy marriage. But if we come into the relationship only worrying about what I'm going to get out of it, then neither one of us get anything. When we come into worship, it's all about him. Yes. On our end. Amen. But he, in his goodness, comes and makes it all about us. Wow. Yeah. He always shows up. He is faithful to show up. Would you stand with me, church? See, when we show up with the, the right heart posture, when we show up having cultivated thankfulness in our lives already, and we give God our praise, we give God our worship, we give God our adoration, He responds to our worship with His anointing and His presence and His Spirit, and He fills us every single time. You see, we come to minister to Him, but He's just way too good for it to end there. And he shows up and he ministers right back to us. And then the cycle repeats again. And we begin to minister to the Lord. And the Lord then begins to minister to us. And there's this dance in worship that happens in the Father's love. Amen. Amen. So this is what we're going to do, church. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to go back into worship here in a second. Pastor Carl is going to come up. And when we do, I want you to put these things that I was talking about this morning into practice. I want you to come to God with halal reckless abandon this morning. Amen? Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, can you give it up for the word of the Lord today? Come on, give it up for the word of the Lord today. Give it up for Pastor Corey. Bringing the word of the Lord. So good, so good, so good. So good. We're going to go back into worship in one second. If you're a first-time guest, we have some people in the lobby who would love to meet you, uh, give you any information you might need about either uh, Revival Life Church or following Jesus. So important if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, it's very easy. We have some uh, people in the lobby who would love to help you with that. Also, Burning Room kicks off this Friday. Amen? Bring in your your applications. Get ready for that. No, no, give it up. Come on. It's going to be good. For worshiping with us today. God bless you. If you need to go, we bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're able to stick around for a couple minutes, I'm going to welcome you. Come to the front, get in the aisle, push your neighbor out the way. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need a little bit of room right now because I'm about, I'm about to go in. Come on, Mikey. Tell your neighbor. All right. God bless you. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday. Hey, listen, listen. We'll see you next Sunday on time. Amen. On time. Amen. 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 Come on. We love the fragrance of your holy name. You came and brought us into the reign of grace. We love the fragrance of 
If you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer for a loved one, if you need anything from the Lord, we'd love to pray with you today, lay hands and agree with you in faith that God will move on your behalf. We love you so much. Give somebody a big hug before you go. And give another hand for the Lord of what he did today, would you please? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday on time. Amen. Amen.